All right, I guess I'll just start. Yep, anytime now. Uh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. All right, this is the Space Biff Book Space episode three, and uh, today we're talking about a. Uh, Something that meets the technical qualifications of a novel. <laughs> As always, I am your host, live from Seattle. Always. Dan Thorat. You've been listening to Frasier. I'm listening. <laughs> and I'm joined today by my co-host, Somerset Winters Thoreau. Hello. No relation. No relation. As well as... Brocktober, Samson, Polson. That's me. That's my name. Hang on, I've got a mouthful of uh, tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Okay. Now we're just invoking something better. <laughs> and today we are discussing Six Wakes. You know, no one can see you. I'm holding it up to the camera. Six Wakes by Murr Lafferty. Yes. A book of adventure, intrigue, um, well, it's not a murder. Something. Something. Sure. We'll get into that. Thank, welcome, thank you for joining me, Brock and Summer. Thanks thank for you. having us. Yeah. How's your week been? It's been good. Uh, I, I finished six weeks over a week ago, so it's been an improvement. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> In a way, are we? So, are we conducting a mechanical spoiler right now? <laughs> it, it's I finished like a it feelings. weeks ago, so I've had weeks of freedom. Oh, yeah. that's that's the dream. As Summer can attest, it was it was a tough road to hoe for me. Yes, it was. Um, I actually had to read it to him to make sure he finished. Yeah, so it. we we went on a uh, car journey up to Jackson, Wyoming, and uh, she read to me for a portion of both she directions. She inflicted that on you. And uh, I almost died. <laughs> Just because I was like, man, you've got to read to me to keep me awake. <laughs> and uh, ten minutes later, the rumble strips were whoever invented those. <laughs> Saved your life. That, episode three wouldn't have happened without him. <laughs> Sponsored by the guy who made rumble strips. Rumble strips for He's all your... Road trip needs. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk about this. Uh, I've never read anything by Mer Lafferty before. Um, this is this was one of the nominees for the Hugo Award. Um, slow year. So I had an interesting <laughs> idea. You know, that's what that, of all the books I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. Clones. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Generationship. Yeah. Let's read it. Yeah, I, I started pretty excited. Yeah. So speaking, let's not spoil anything quite yet, hmm. but speaking of spoilers, I believe Summer has prepared some inaccurate, wrong spoilers for us. That's right, Wrong Dan. spoilers. That's our <laughs> Ooh. new... Uh, Ooh, nice. That's our new jingle. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, well. Wrong spoilers. All <laughs> oh, right. Very good. Here's... Okay, so here's the first one. Six friends die at the same time, and all their other friends have six big parties to celebrate their lives. <laughs> it would have been a better book. Oh. 
I think it might have been more boring. That sounds pretty awful. Like a, maybe like a teenage teenager movie. Right. It's a commentary on it. I thought that that's what it was going to be. <laughs> I really did think it was going to be six deaths. Yeah. Not just like. Six. Not just. Wake, six wokens. Wokens. Yeah. Not just a catchy. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's the next one. <clears throat> a generation ship manned by clones must maneuver their spacecraft over the six ripples caused by a massive solar flare. They have to move their ship toward the wakes with space oars. It's whitewater space <laughs> roar and fun. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, space wakeboarding was always my favorite X game event. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds fun. In Jackson, we got caught in some boat wakes. Yeah, that's probably what inspired that one. I wrote that one in Jackson. Yeah, oh, that's good. We were in our canoe and of course like the other big boats <laughs> get out of the little marina and just hit it. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, as soon that as they knob, can, that little They buoy. just shove that thing all the way forward. Yep. And uh, and we 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 were casting. We you had to pay move the price. The yeah. To and fro. Mm -hmm. Toward and froward. Move into the wake. That's how you avoid capsizing. Yeah. Okay, here's the, here's the last one. <clears throat> I only came up with three. A mysterious body dressed in black floats through letters in space. Kind of like the cover. Oh, yeah. It is woken. Yeah. It woke? Oh. It awakens itself. When it wakes up, it starts murdering people. <laughs> so, this, this book cover reminded me of The Expanse. Yeah. Cover. Yeah. But that one is cooler. Yeah. Because she has like that arched back and her hair is and her hair's flying crazy and it yeah. looks true. It looks and like and that book is amazing. That first yeah, one. that first book is really good. Yeah. Um, Leviathan wakes and um, and this one. So that one looks like, man, getting spaced sucks. Yeah. This one it looks like, eh, it's like falling into mist. Or something. <laughs> it's going toward the light. No, he's falling into the, the universe of the mist. Letters. That's what happens oh, right. in mist, as he falls oh, yeah. into a star field in books. Mm. It's a metaphor for your local library. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Possibilities. So, we're entering the spoiler portion of this podcast, in which Summer has prepared a comprehensive examination and... Uh, point by point, blow <laughs> by blow, assault on the plot, or just uh, an explanation or of it. just a synopsis of it. A synopsis. Okay, are we ready? <clears throat> are you ready, Brock? I am. I am strapped in. I'm prepared. Are your buttocks <laughs> Gravity is on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're good. Okay, pulling uh, 10 Gs. Uh, Go for it. Get in your crash couch. Okay. <laughs> It's 2493 and clones exist. Some clones wake up to a gruesome sight. Above their clone beds, their last bodies, blood, and fluids are floating around them. Yeesh. And none of them remember how they died, nor the last 40 some odd years. I suspect sabotage. So do the clones. All the clones are criminals because only criminal clones would want to crew a generation ship. Also, they were offered a free ride and exoneration by their mutual friend, Sally Minion, a clone with genie-like power, an omniscient, omnipresent, omnipowerful connections, fame, money, and whatnot. That's true. 
They're all disoriented waking up like that, but the captain, Katrina, swiftly takes command and gives them all directions. Hero, the pilot, is ordered to take Maria, the cook and cleaning lady, seems racist, to check <laughs> to, to check on the navigation. Wolfgang, the head of security, is ordered to help get those disgusting bodies tied into a jumble. Joanna, the paraplegic doctor, needs to get Paul, who is acting the most disoriented and is the computer engineer coherent. They are all suspect. Dead Maria was poisoned. However, some of her knives are missing, and dead Joanna, dead Wolfgang, and dead Maria were stabbed. Dead Hero was hanged. Dead Paul was strangled. But we later find out that dead Paul was most definitely killed by dead Joanna with a lethal dose of medication. Wolfgang, being a really good head of security, starts accusing everybody, including vegetable as good as dead Captain Katrina, who they find in the medical bay. If this isn't bad enough, they discover their AI named Ian is offline and has turned their ship around to go back to Earth. And the ability to make new clones has been dismantled as well, meaning this life is their last, and all the humans and clones sleeping on the ship will die because no one will be around to wake them up when they get to their new planet. While Wolfgang points the finger at every crew member at each new piece of information, Maria connects the... <laughs> Maria connects the nude food printer, which is a magical, uber, high-tech food printer that can 3D print a massive, delicious pig and guess with 100% accuracy what your food preferences are with a single drop of saliva. Hazelnut cheesecake. Mmm, which we had tonight. Yeah. It was delicious for my sister's birthday. Wow. Jealous. Yeah. It's really good, Brock. We also learn on page 39 that some printers, when supplied with enough LYFE life, can print a clone. I've now given you enough information to solve the main murderer mystery and solve the clone's major problem of no longer being immortal. Meanwhile, Ian starts to wake up and repair itself. Maybe we should pause and let the guests guess the solution, because you've given us enough information. Who are the guests? Our Let's listeners, see. yeah. Okay, all right, guess. And they have like the do, 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 Okay, go ahead. The story continues. When someone mentions hermit crabs in casual conversation, Hero goes crazy. <laughs> Me too. Oh, boy. <laughs> hermit crabs. They're kind of creepy. He activates an alternate evil clone hiding in his mind and attacks Maria. Wolfgang says, it must have been Hero then, as they all rush to rescue her. Wolfgang, Katrina, and Hero get injured, but Hero gets subdued and put in restraints into the med bay. Wolfgang finds out that Joanna lethally dosed dead Paul, so she must be the murderer. He takes away her legs and puts her in the brig. Oh. Maria, we discover, <laughs> Maria, we discover, is not actually the maid, but a computer brain programming neurohacking genius, <laughs> racism undone. And she turns out... Victory. <laughs> And she turns out to be not only the smartest person on the ship, and also a doctor, but also everyone else's arch nemesis, because she brain hacked almost all of them. I thought you were going to say, <laughs> she turns out to not only be the smartest person on the ship, but in the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, just on this ship. <laughs> okay. Uh, Wolfgang now accuses Maria of being the baddie and puts her in the brig. Paul, of all the crazy things, is a human. Or he was until he got strangled and they had to wake up his first clone. Paul hates clones. 
and he has an arch nemesis named Maria. Maria. And she's yes. on this love boat. The reader knife now finds out that Maria has secretly been doing some computer repair on Ian. Ian realizes he is actually a human too, and he has an arch nemesis. Her name is Maria, and she's on this ship. Wolfgang accuses Ian of being the murderer and orders Paul and Maria to put computer animated handcuffs on him. Yeah, this is like James Holden levels of teaming up with whoever you most recently <laughs> talked. Like on Community. I love that episode. Well, no, I mean like uh, in Leviathan Wakes, in The Expanse, how Captain Holden just, whoever he talks to. Oh, I thought you were talking like, about Holden Caulfield. I was like, wait, what? No. <laughs> Expanse. <laughs> <clears throat> The crew gather in the garden to hold hands while Ian decides how best to kill them all, because now he's a mad AI. And then Paul remembers that he's actually the original bad guy, and pulls out the knife he's hidden under his shirt so that he can start murdering people again. Ian helpfully turns off the lights for him. Wolfgang shouts, I knew all along it was Paul, and then gets stabbed. <laughs> Luck luckily, Ian turns out to be the prison buddy of Hero, as well as the cheeky translator at the original clone codicil meetings we met in Joanna's past. So he's pretty excited when Maria realizes that her awesome brain programming skills and food printer programming skills can let him have a clone body. Now they can make new clone bodies in the Easy Bake Oven in the kitchen, as well as delicious <laughs> pig dinners on the same day. Also, Maria can fix Hero and take out all his evil clone minds. Probably fix Wolfgang, too, and lobotomize Paul to become the lame AI to steer the ship. Everything is, is resolved to everyone's satisfaction in a nice, tidy package. And their real enemy, who they kind of forgot about, Sally Minion, the god clone of Earth, can put the, who put them all there on a rancorous whim, can continue to live immortally and amass more money, power, and fame forever. Oh, and the planet they're heading toward probably doesn't exist because Sally Minion likely paid scientists to make it up and then packed this generation ship with all her enemies to die in space. But the crew hopes not. They're optimistic. The end. Oh, that was really oh, nice. Man. Let me just say that you did a, a phenomenal job with incredibly tough source material. <laughs> <laughs> you, really, you really did. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So... Can I just say I, I wrote the I wrote a wrong spoiler when I was in the middle of reading this book. I was like, wouldn't it be silly if this this would be a great wrong spoiler because there's no way that's what this book is. If all these people were put here on purpose out of revenge, <laughs> and then that's what it really was. <laughs> you just you just called it. I yeah, guessed she, uh... the spoiler of the book. Yeah, she guessed it yeah. pretty pretty early on. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I'm bad at guessing. She is. I'm very bad at guessing. <laughs> <laughs> she always guesses inaccurately. I do. But no, she got it. Um, right I, on the nose. I had the opposite problem where I finished... So I reached the point where you said that you had figured it out, and I hadn't figured it out. And then I read about 50 more pages, and I still hadn't figured it out. And then I read another 50 pages and I hadn't figured it out and then I finished the book and I was still going I don't know I don't know who these characters are <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I figured it out <laughs> I, I still so am wait, not who's sure who? yeah I was like so wait the bad guy was the what computer the back, guy the backstory did quote it. unquote yeah the guy with the backstory <laughs> 
those were all the same, correct? All right, so we have got, um, I looked up some bad takes uh, on the internet. These come courtesy of public Amazon reviews. <laughs> Most of them I thought were pretty solid. I mean, yeah, bad takes is sort of the name that we gave it when we thought uh, that we would be reading good books that people had incorrect opinions on. And, yes. Uh, so let me, re I, I, I've prepared three for us to read and discuss um, before we get to Brock's scintillating discussion topics. So here we go. So the first one comes courtesy of Vroom Vroom, who says, nothing but glaring syntactical editing errors here. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep. it's a, it's a little rough, but um what do you what do you fellas think about that? So I I am a an amateur editor. I, I edit a lot of Let's say one, sem, this one guy's work. And um I got a few chapters in and I was like, "Wait. I thought editing was supposed to happen for these type of things to get even published. Right. I I thought that was like emphasized on every single publishing website instructions everywhere in the world. Yeah. Eight tips <laughs> to getting published. Number one, edit. edit. <laughs> Number two, edit again. Number three, get someone else to edit it. Well, in a world where Ernest Klein exists, that, uh, oh, that's true. That rule gets thrown out the window. Yeah, that's true. At least this was never masturbatory about the 80s. <laughs> no, I, I can't think of a single time that it was yeah, at least refreshing. It do that. Um, so so um, for me, I tend to write in my books. Um, it's just sort of a tick of mine um, after having been in academia for so long that that's just the default. And so I tend to write on the page, and then so that I don't have to look at every single page, I write up in the top corner um, the type of thing that I found. And so I'll write like insight or a little I for if I found something insightful, or I'll write typo or something, often because I'm trying to get it back to a student. Um, in this book, it was, <laughs> it was like every other page, I was finding something that I, w some sort of mess, um, you know, yeah. misspellings. Mis some rewrites, yeah. certainly. And it wasn't it wasn't just typos. It was it was an abundance of uh, he said she said tags, mm -hmm. like all the time. Like it would tell you which character was doing which action, and then it would still bother to tell you that she said something instead of just jumping into dialogue. Yeah. Um, just these sprawling uh, parentheticals that went on weird side tangents that, like, uh, we got more physical description of, like, a pop star than we did of the main characters in one section. It says something like, she was a black uh, Latina American something something pop star. And I could visualize this pop star better than any of the actual main <laughs> characters. Just uh, totally superfluous information to the right. actual narrative. And the whole book was like that. 
Um, maybe I'm being... I, I, I'm excited for one of you to convince me this book was better than I thought. Okay, here's, a, here's another uh, medium take. This one comes because of Puddle of Sunshine. Normally, by halfway through one of these types of novels, I know enough to spoil the end for myself. At 70% through six wakes, I was still completely clueless. Clueless and loving it. Six weeks was oh. <laughs> 400 pages of confusion and mayhem that I utterly enjoyed. I didn't even mind that there were several origin chapters for the various characters involved. Huh. So. All right. I, I mean, I hated that about it. It's kind of like, like one of those dig compliments. What are those called? <laughs> you compliment, but it's also a dig, too. A backhanded compliment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and I, I so suspect... So this was a five-star review. Yeah. I suspect, uh, at least to some extent, the two of you went into this book thinking that it was some something of a closed-door mystery. Is that your expectation as well? Like an escape room type thing? Or, you know, a, a uh, like more of a, an Agatha Christie. Okay, so like there's a man hanging with a puddle. Sure, you know, some something like that. It's ice. Uh, you know, I was expecting it to be sort of a self-contained mystery mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where we get the information and, you know, a a clever reader can can put the clues together and solve it. But, but ultimately all those origin stories introduced unknowable information you know there's no way you could have could have approached the the mystery without having a lot of that supplemental information mm -hmm. right I, so one of the things so i was kind of excited at the outset because i think the opening even though i don't think it's handled very well i think it was a bit clumsy um but I think it's a really good hook mm -hmm. yes. to wake up on a ship I agree. and to see yourself murdered, uh, yeah. like dangling yeah, that, above you in that zero intro G. was fun, and then like her getting out of like the gel and stuff. Yeah, and, and everyone G has to cough the cloning all, gel out of their lungs. They're all panicking and, and, and people, naked. Right, and people have different <laughs> levels of how how well they can cope. cope. Because and if it, I if I was in that situation, I'd just be pooping myself. You'd be the Paul. In I that would be situation. Paul. Like, yeah. Oh this yeah. Is not Every what time. I signed on for. I don't want to hang out with any of you. <laughs> um, oh yeah. It it really. I mean, it was such, uh, you know, such a visceral scene that you you know you really you really imagine like what would I do? I mean, I'm right. in a breathable liquid floating. You know, like. What would I do? And that, you know, I thought it, right. it started off with a lot of promise. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and I think you've hit on a big part of why I was so excited, Brock, because it really is two different genres that have sort of been woven together. So it's a science fiction generation ship story, which is a type of story. There mm -hmm. are other generation ship stories, while it's also a murder mystery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, and I, and maybe it's by dint of doing both, I don't think it does either well. No. And that's something we can discuss uh, on your time, Brock, but um, I, I, was, I was let down with the mystery, and the science fiction, I think, is just a total tease. <laughs> yes. I don't think there's yeah, anything there. Yeah, it didn't there. really go into anything. Um, just very minor 
surface details. Right, and uh, and and I have so many little examples that I'd like to share with about that. But let's get to that in a in a moment. So one more um, uh, bad take, lukewarm take. This comes from Bucket of Compliments, spelled compliments. Okay, not com sure. Not nice things. Like thing that pairs with something else. Okay. Correct. They say. <laughs> I purchased this book because it is advertised as a 2018 Hugo Nebula nominee and because it has an interesting synopsis. About five pages into the book, I could not believe it was nominated for anything. It is that bad. The story is stupid. The characters are lame. The dialogue is laughable. <laughs> then, um, then could the Hugo Nebula claim be, be fraudulent? I looked it up. <laughs> I, oh wow! I, That's awesome. I, it seems like a brazen thing to put on a bracket. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, um, I looked it up, and sure enough, not only was this book a nominee, but it was among the winners. What happened to the Hugo? I used to take that as a guarantee of a good book. The more the majority of science fiction now on Amazon is not that great, since it is so easy to publish. So a Hugo winner that I've not yet read is an easy buy. Not anymore. Hmm. Oh, sorry bag of compliments bucket of yeah sorry bucket about of compliments. that <laughs> bag of compliments um, so what what did you think of what so obviously we selected this book last month on the basis of it being on the yeah, Hugo the, slate the right? synopsis That's, and on the Hugo yeah, list it had a yeah, killer yeah. synopsis and it was on the slate so what do you guys think of uh, bucket of compliments uh, about their thoughts I I agreed with this person I mean yeah, I, I got it Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brock. I was going to say I think they're pretty uh, some pretty accurate assessments. I honestly don't. This is not a book that I would think to reread. Which you know, books that I like, I tend to reread. I mean, I certainly read it quickly, which I don't know if that's like a compliment. Like getting a bandaid off, right? Yeah, you know, or like <laughs> oh, a like a you know. A, a, a young adult book. I, I read those pretty quickly if I was going to read them because it's the story's quick. It's meant to go fast. I, but I don't know if that's a compliment for like a Hugo nominee. Right. You know, for a while I thought maybe I was approaching it incorrectly. I thought maybe it was a kid's book or, <laughs> or a young adult book. Um, and, and that's such a broad description that any number of things mm. can fit into it. But then so much of the content just seemed so... Uh, you know, just the the language and some of the descriptions. I don't, I don't, I I don't think it is a young adult book because of that content. Um, so, what do you think, Brock? I I, I think that uh, bucket of compliments. Suspecting that it, it's all a con. <laughs> the, <laughs> that's the, uh, funny. the Hugo nominations. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, I like that. That's where their mind goes. Um, no, I, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it uh, sort of falls short in several aspects. You know, I think the writing quality, uh, the prose was sort of stilted and clumsy in a lot of places. The, uh, you know, the overall story structure, I just, I don't think it, I, I don't think it delivered on, I, you know, I think it's maybe a case of selling a book based on, a great premise and a great, you know, and, and a well-executed opening scene mm -hmm. with, you know, without the, 
I, I don't know, with, you know, without the ability to, to follow through on that. So what is our theory? Because, so... I, I don't know if we want to get into that. <laughs> I mean, I'm just surprised that, you know, I, I feel like you can, anything can get published. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that this, I've read so many good books, including great Hugo nominees. So how did this make it to that level? Do you think it, Brock, that it was the, uh, just again, the same thing, the premise? I, I almost wonder if it was just, just the strength of, you know, of a pitch and, a um, you know, and a, an opening scene, you know, I, I don't know how the publishing industry works, but I, I do think that it probably rode heavily on, on that opening scene because it, it, it is a great sort of elevator pitch. Right. You know, these clones wake up, they've just been, you know, they've just been re-cloned and outside the vats, they see their own dead bodies murdered. That's cool. You know, that's a, right. that's a, mm -hmm. that's a cool scene. Yeah. I, that's, you know, that's the thing that I, I would suspect. Right. Well, so that's it for my, uh, bad takes. Why don't we get into some good thoughts? courtesy of Brock. Yeah, let's uh so I, mean, what, I guess we've what already discussion sort of topics do you have discussing. for us? So here's here's a question I want to ask and and maybe I need to ask the question and then we need to circle back to it because uh, it's going to require some soul searching. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. So you know, so let's say within your lifetime that this cloning technology is developed and perfected. Uh, they can take your DNA they can map your brain. Uh, you know, they can capture all your memories. Uh, so the, the first question is, would you do it? Would you become a clone uh, and extend your life? I love this question. <laughs> do you want us to answer this now? Or I, do you want us to come back to it? You know, I don't know. You may need to uh, spend some time. No, I'm good. Meditation time. I, I've you, meditated. Okay. Uh, like Summer, do you need to meditate? Do you need well, to let's ponder hear, on let's this? Let's hear what Dan says. But yeah, okay. I'm going to ponder for a minute. Okay. Let me let me zen myself here. Oh, one of my problems with this book is that it seems totally uninterested with its own concepts. <laughs> okay, yeah. And, and let me start by complimenting it. So at the very beginning of the book, it has that little document, kind of an, it's an overview of the codicils, mm -hmm. which right. are the laws governing clones. And so a few of the basics, I, I have it here. It might be beneficial to, for me to kind of, uh, so you, so a, a person cannot be cloned multiple times. At, at yeah. one time. It's yeah. for longevity, not for multiplication. Right. Right. Some, some, and, something and like I, And I think that's a, I could see that being a law. Mm -hmm. um, right. I, I was telling Summer on our drive back from Jackson that there's a video game called Endless Legend, where one of the factions is a dude named Horatio who has cloned himself billions of times and now he's trying to take <laughs> over the galaxy. <laughs> that's um, awesome. And so everyone in this culture is this perfected genetic super being named Horatio <laughs> and they value aesthetics and art and high, you know, high culture and they, they consider themselves beautiful. And so they don't want 
they consider themselves beautiful, so they want the whole galaxy to be remade in their image of beauty. Okay. And it, and it's kind of this horrifying idea, and and it's totally uh, a type of out logical outcome of cloning. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's no more radical than an invasive species running amok on a continent. Um, <laughs> right. so, I, so I like these codicils that Mer Lafferty comes up with. Um, clones can't have children. You can't switch mind maps into uh, a different body. Um, you, yeah, you can't have two alive at once. When, when a clone is born, you have to kill the previous clone immediately. You have to euthanize them. I really, really like these ideas. Oh, me too. You know, um, they, I, I think that... I think that Asimov's are a little more uh, graceful, but it, mm-hmm. it yes. reminded me of the three laws of robotics, you know? Sure. Right. Um, and, and I think that it's a really cool idea, and I think they're well, st- well stated and well thought out. Mm-hmm. Right. But here's, but here's where I start to deviate from my compliment. It's, so the, I feel like she put a lot of good thought into that. And then she put almost no thought into their application or how people would actually approach them Right. Or, I mean, so like one person has broken the law in all of her backstories. Yeah. I think everyone would be breaking the law. And uh, <laughs> right. the bad guy's plot, I mean, everyone breaks the law now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, time, it's against the law have, to shoot people. And yet they people. all have like this reverence <laughs> for them too. Yeah, they, every, they, they, they all speak about the codicils in these hushed, very fanatical <laughs> terms. They're very you know, obedient to them. And I almost got, I almost got the impression that like, uh, you know, there, there were characters that were like, oh, I, you know, I, w- I was off in this place committing crimes and, and I got, I got killed by the person I was committing crimes against. And it, it almost, it gave me the, impre- the impression that then that person who has just killed this clone would like send the body back because the only reason you have that memory is because it got captured and you got cloned from that point right so like there's there's such a weird respect that wouldn't exist right like if you really wanted to annoy like they mentioned that you can you could make it look like somebody hadn't killed themselves just by kidnapping them and making sure the body was never found and that way they can't reawaken a clone for seven years right why would you ever assassinate anybody if you could just kill them and hide their body like that, at least that's maximum yeah. irritation for some. Yeah, that would set them back that many years. Right. Um, so here's here's one of the places well, but where. But then they were all breaking the law because they all had these backup clones in like right. secret so, locations. So right. So the so rich and powerful matter. are doing that. So so who's enforcing these codicils to such a degree that that these characters respect them? Um, it, it just made no, I would think that they'd be in space and they'd just be like, screw the codicils. I'm going to make a billion of me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I know I'm not the murderer. Yeah, and I'm, I'm tired gonna of beat up all of yous, you. Know? <laughs> I'm tired of cleaning the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make seven of me and we'll just take yeah. turns. And I'm a yeah. neurohacking genius. <laughs> right. I can turn all of you into me. Oh, yeah, exactly. My name is Maria, and I'm no cleaning lady. Mm-mm. <laughs> That's what she does. The, uh, I ain't your maid. <laughs> I don't know if that's what she would do. But, um, oh, no, you're so, right. She's too, ni- she's too nice. She is very nice, except for all the... Oh, I'll clean that up for you. Brain hacking. 
Right. Uh, that's another complaint. I want, I want to return to that. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Everybody's kind of twee outlook on life. Um, twee. Do you, can we talk about later how these are like the, they're vampires, but they're stu- stupid? <laughs> stupid vampires? <laughs> anyway, I want to return to that. So I want to answer your question, Brock. So you asked, would we clone ourselves? Right. First of all, absolutely I would. <laughs> okay. <laughs> However, I would do it with a total awareness that the clone is not actually me. Like sure. if there were two of us at once, we were the same person until we diverge as clones. Um, but this, this, and that's a, that's a debate going on in philosophy right now about, you know, what are you? Are, are you your mind? Are you your body? Uh, what is your consciousness? If it's transferred, um, is it really transfer or is it a copy? And there are plenty of fictional works that are dealing with this question because it's a fascinating question in part because it cuts to the essence of who we are. Yeah, what, um, is, what is existence and right. humanity? And... and in this book, no one ever seems to think for one second that when you're cloned, you still died. Right. It's another entity that is carrying on your consciousness. You right. don't you wake piloting. up. piloting. Right. You don't wake up. Um, now, something with exactly your body and exactly your mind wakes up. But if you existed concurrently, and it, it, and it kind of grazes against this with the captain. With the, with the vegetable. Yeah, yeah with the captain who, who is <clears throat> li- lying on the table in the med bay um, brain dead and then the other captain waking up. But even then, they don't debate that in terms of that kind of ethical and very concerning human element. They talk about it in terms of the codicils, uh, in terms of legality. Yes. Right. Well, yeah, legally, she was conveniently just, brain dead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just, okay, well, legally that is no longer... A person. A, an ent- Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, or not a person. Right. A clone. That yeah. thing can be terminated. Yeah. Right. And it, and it was so weird to me. It was really dissonant early on when they find that this this person well, is alive and they're going, wow, this is great because we can find out what happened. And um, the other character's like, Captain's not going to like this. And I'm, I'm just going like, it, so it hasn't explained the codicils fully, like why the captain might not like that she's alive somewhere. But I was going like, okay, problem well, solved. I guess it, I guess it. I guess it touches on it with Hero, because he had multiple clones of himself awake at the same time. And only, I mean, only he was allowed to live, like all those other clones were terminated. I think even he was... Well, yeah, he was technically he was, terminated, too, and then all the, were, right. all the evil clone minds were put in well, his right. head. But, but even that was a discussion of the legality of the codicils and how to... Conf- and I liked that story probably best of all the mm-hmm. flashbacks mm-hmm. because it was like the one time when someone was just like, these codicils are nonsense. I'm not going to obey these laws any more than I'm going to obey laws saying I can't murder and steal. <laughs> um so I liked his story best because it, it seemed to at least approach the grittiness and reality of something like this technology would present. Mm-hmm. But even then, it was more interested in kind of that court decision of uh, they don't want everyone to clone themselves twice and let themselves get away with whatever their evil clone is doing, so they stitch him all together. Mm-hmm. It still doesn't even bother to think through the ethical ramifications that they 
they they euthanized a totally innocent man along with euthanizing a bunch of guilty people. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. those people are gone just because their memories have been put somewhere else does not mean that that, that organism is alive. Um, right. now, and you yeah. can and you can disagree with that. There are different sides to that debate, mm-hmm. but it is a debate. And this book is just has no interest in it at all. Right. Yeah, it doesn't explore those concepts at all. Right. So I would clone myself, um, <laughs> but I would make, but I would do it like when I died. Right. I wouldn't want to just like I'm old and tired, and I'm like time for a new body, time for a refresher. It's it's more than a facelift. You die. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's not rewinding. Time to create things. a new person who's already twenty. Yeah. Okay, so so that's my answer. Have you had time to meditate? Uh, I'm gonna say that I would rather not be cloned because I just don't. I find interest in living immortally in a body. <laughs> yeah. My body's pretty lame. <laughs> and you think you would it have hurts. your same physical like I guess so you it talked about how yeah, they would like code out those bad genes or whatever yeah but wasn't but, that even illegal yeah I think under so under the codicils that's illegal well but like you the need to have your crappy genetics Joanne well Joanna said that at one point she coded out she well yeah but that was before the codicils oh that's right because yeah. she was one of the people who was helping to create the, that's right she was a policy maker yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't see the point because it's like, well, I'm 34 right now. I already ache all over. Now, I have a, I have a follow-up question. <laughs> Why I have, would I want to relive this? I, I have a follow-up. I'm as, as someone who's close to you, I'm a little concerned with that answer. But anyway. <laughs> you guys need to talk. There's a hotline we can call. Oh, my Brock, gosh. I have a follow-up yes. question. Now, is your question presuming that we're talking about the ideal of this technology or the moronic way it's applied in this book. <laughs> no, we are, we are talking about the ideal scenario. Mm. Because here's what bugged me about this book. This is the vampire thing. So, so these clones were a little bit reminiscent to me of vampires in fiction, where you live just kind of this endless life. Um, but one of the th- central things about vampire fiction, which I don't usually read because it's usually just like gothic, romance but um but one of the things that's interesting in like um interview with the vampire is just how jaded you become after multiple lifetimes of experiencing things and how out of touch you become and things kind of get away from you Um, that happens even in the span of a normal lifetime let alone um so some of these people are like 200 years old which yeah which puts you like you're in like the industrial revolution if you're going back. Um, I, you know, anything you valued is not necessarily valuable to this new society. All sorts of things have changed. Now, these characters seem to have benefited nothing on the basis of their multiple live, lived experience. They're all immature. They all make ridiculous decisions. Right. None of them act like wise old people in the slightest um for instance as soon as they establish that they have no food they can't be cloned again this is their last life what do they do they get blackout drunk 
<laughs> right. Later, when they catch the bad guy after failing to search him for another weapon, <laughs> after establishing that he's a mad right. slasher, right. which is absurd, I would search him for a weapon. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. Let alone Mr. Security Professional Wolfgang. And don't get me started on him. And they're like all assassins. Like three yeah. of them are like, I'm a professional assassin. Yeah, they're all professional. <laughs> they're professional killers. They don't search this guy. And then what do they do? They start drinking. Yeah. And then he jumps up with his extra knife and kills a bunch of them. And I'm going, what is the point of living multiple lives? If you can't like learn if there's, how to like... <laughs> right, if there's this, there's this obvious regression to the mean in your brain capacity. Why didn't they kill us? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were so dumb. They can only they can only learn so much, honey. Right. Their brain capacity. Well, so, so early on when it says that they're all these old, cool clones with many lives, and some of them are doctors and assassins and brain hack. Like they they have multiple careers. I was so excited because I thought they'd actually be skilled. Mm -hmm. And then they are just such dunderheads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was my follow-up question. Okay, uh, How about I you, think Brock? that's a, a good yeah, question. You didn't answer I, your own question. No, I I didn't answer. Um, and I I I wonder if it's a uh, a male female thing because my wife also <laughs> said she would not she would not do it, but I was like in a heartbeat. Yeah, <laughs> my greatest fear is annihilation. <laughs> I, I'm terrified of my my mind ceasing to be. Uh, oh so yeah, let's put it. Let's. Let's take my mind and let it pilot another uh, flesh vessel. Let's do this. Can we brain hack our clone? Because I would be like, here's the clone that likes going to work. Right, yeah. He has my skill sets, but he likes being there. Yeah, he likes it. Yeah, he's, he's a good multitasker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here's what I would do uh, in, the, in the event that I could be cloned. Uh, the book mentions that some clones get involved with uh, some rad extreme sports, so maybe I'd try those. Uh, maybe the space wakeboarding oh, yeah. uh, that Summer mentioned. Right. You wouldn't have to worry about STDs. Uh, right? No. <laughs> um, I mean, oh, I don't now, but... Uh, those extreme every... sports? Is that what yeah. you're implying? <laughs> that's, a, that's an oh, extreme my. sport. Uh, every couple generations, I would just have a burner body. I would just eat the most delicious and fatty foods all the time. I would never <laughs> like exercise. I would die of a heart attack at age 31. Uh, my body would be 30% artificial cheese. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then, you know, I'd finally start reading the Wheel of Time series. That's what I'd do if I was that, immortal. That's the only way you'd find the, <laughs> that's the, only, the man hours to get through that. The only scenario. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'd do it. Uh, so we can, um, we've discussed some of these these things. Uh, whether you figured it out, uh, which we all, uh, which Summer impressively did, um, but I I sort of arrived at the end of the book, not sure I had figured it out or or I was allowed to figure it out. What uh, so. You know, me trying to trying to make note of murder mystery things. Um, did, were there, I guess, red herrings? You think that that maybe threw you off the the track? 
Oh, is, yeah. this, sure. is this a book that contained red herrings? Well, yeah. I, Wolfgang was great because, you know, after every after one person did something suspicious, he was like, oh, it's got to be that person. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, like... Put him in the brig. Katrina would pick her nose and he's like, only a deviant <laughs> <laughs> would do such a thing. God frowns on you, deviant. <laughs> According to the Bible that I nor the author of this book have read... <laughs> The clone must be burned. Yeah, just like it says so, so you in felt, scripture. So you felt that was, uh, yeah, he was a, he was kind of like, he was he, kind he of very helpful. He was always he was a living everybody except for yeah, like yeah, yeah. a real murderer for the most part. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone else was like, it's it's probably Paul because he's acting so weird, and I, as the reader, was like, mm-hmm. And yeah. Wolfgang was like, nah, he's just he's just a weenie. Let's go to the gym. Well, his whole thing where, where he's like, oh, I have so many problems with Wolfgang. Who could take me down? I'm like, he stabs you in the back, you... <laughs> you, moon, yeah. you moony. I'm like, come on. <laughs> well, yeah, and you're a moon person. Like, anyone here could just throw you yeah, around. seriously. <clears throat> 60% of gravity. Here, here's, here's where my red herrings were. Is I was so... I just stopped caring about the mystery because I was getting too <laughs> upset about like the science and the structure and the characters. Lack of science, lack of structure, yeah, I, lack yeah. of I, I want to talk about the science. I hope you have a question about that because, my goodness. Uh, yeah, my next my next question is, uh, Dan, do you want to talk about the science? <laughs> That's a good question. Okay, so this actually prompted a discussion um, with my sister who is a clinical nutritionist. Um, so they have this, they have a food printer. Right. So it's basically a Star Trek replicator in 3D printing form rather than beamed light, right? Right. And so they can print anything they need. And so two things drove me nuts about this. So she has this really cool line, and I really liked this line, but it made me so hungry for more. Let me, let me read it to you. So she tried, so this is Maria. Maria tried to program a simple cracker, the hello world of printed food. I liked that line too. I love that line. Yeah. Um, and it really got me thinking, why a cracker? Right, because that seems kind of right. complex. So, well, so here's the, so like I've been thinking about this, just, so just basic chemistry in college, um, so food is made up of four molecule types, right? So right. it's carbohydrates, um, proteins, lipids, and uh, phenolics. And so I was, I, I was really curious, well, are carbohydrates, are the basis for a cracker, are they the simplest? So I actually asked a, a bunch of my science friends and my nutritionist, clinical nutritionist sister about this, and um, and that and it kind of got to a rolling debate where we were we were, where we were going like well what's the simplest thing to print as a food this is fascinating yeah. <laughs> and um, and one of the answers I got is that um, so one of the arguments was that a lipid would be simpler than a carbohydrate so that so like a, a bowl of lard right <laughs> some fat <laughs> like some blubbery some some lard yeah some grease <laughs> especially if you're just trying to survive and you need to eat or you'll die right you sure fat would be good print up some you know some gross fat and just 
you deal slurp with it, it down. You put it in it with those little kid pouches, yeah. you know, the little fruit pouches <laughs> yeah. that we give our dogs. <laughs> apple sauce <laughs> pouch. <laughs> yeah. Flavor it with some berries. You're good. It's astronaut yeah. food. And, um, <laughs> Sell so it in was, the gift shop. So I was fascinated by this idea. <laughs> and then the author never cares again in the slightest about that wonderful, wonderfully evocative hello world uh-huh. of food. Yeah, it's... Um, and then later... No, because th- next time we print a pig. Well, yeah, she prints a pig. But then later when they're <clears throat> down in the guts of the ship, um, they talk about life, and it's a protein slurry. So, yeah. so when they say that, a cracker would, would not, not be... be no, you would have to, to rearrange yeah, the molecules. It would be easier to print like a steak. Yeah. yeah, a protein yeah, slurry. Yeah, it's just this protein slurry. And, you know, and she said something well, about... Well, or what uh, kind of protein? Is it a plant protein? Is it an animal protein? Well, and, and she she said something uh, about plant matter being being difficult for the, the printer yeah. to replicate. Yeah, so it has to be like... Okay, yeah, but, so it, but brain neurons are not difficult. No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's no trouble with that. It's easy for this magical like, printer cellulose that was conveniently put on this ship that's where it gets hung (laughs) up yeah and the so the second part of of that frustration for me is when they start using the food printer to print humans um and they don't do it on the basis of any brain scan or anything it's just no they use they use joanna's medical bay computer well no but they say that they can reconstruct anything from any tissue sample because the machine could get your uh, taste from your saliva. Yes, I think that's why the chapter is called Deus Ex BB. Well, yeah. Be- well, yes, because the, because the machine literally... It's magic. Yeah, well, yeah, because the machine prints them. But, but it portrays it like this is the first time it's been invented, yet the machine is backwards compatible, forwards compatible with brand new radical <clears throat> technology. Um, and it can just, like, print people up, take their brain yeah. scans... Easy bake oven. Yeah, it's just uh, this. This book was just. It loves to introduce ideas without thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Bizarre, fascinating ideas, and then not uh, not address them. Yeah. Not explore them. Right. Was that really your question? That was next. No. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks for humoring me. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. I'm happy to. Uh, at what point? Did, did it start to unravel for you? Do you remember oh, that's if, a good question. if there was a particular uh, chapter or event? Hmm. Unra- unravel in what way? You mean like... So like we were the liking mystery, it. We maybe were liking the, yeah, maybe the quality, uh, the, maybe the uh, your expectations. You know, mine, I, I think that I went in with an expectation, of, you know, like I mentioned, of a sort of closed door mystery. Where, you know this self-contained. We're going to get all the clues, and we're going to we're going to watch the characters solve it. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know, and I don't remember if it was the you know the second or third backstory chapter. Mm-hmm. But but there, I remember there being a point where I where I said, okay, this is not going to be solvable because because we have to learn about every individual character, and so you know we we aren't going to know everything. You know, we're not going to have enough information. So I think that's sort of where it was for me. Right. There's no, 
Like, I mean, so one of the things that I like about certain murder mysteries is that moment when you can see 90% of it, but you haven't yet taken that last step. But then when you see the solution, the joy is in you kind of are putting the puzzle pieces together yourself along with the solution. Um, and I feel like a really well-constructed mystery is like that. Um, even by the end, I wasn't entirely sure <laughs> what was <laughs> going on. But that's probably because I was too mad about Wolfgang. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <clears throat> so when did it fall apart? Man, uh, I'll go last. You you go. So I read the... the on page 39, I mentioned in my synopsis, is when it mentions that food, that a food the first food printers that they had, they like... They, that they printed a clone from it with life, with L, the L-Y-F-E stuff. And I was like, oh, well, I bet they're going to use the printer to print clones. That's how they're going to fix their problem. And then Paul, to me, was just acting the most weird in terms of clone people. He was real suspicious. He was. Like, to me, he felt more suspicious than any of the, any of the other characters because they all just kind of jumped back into their roles and were like, this is what I'm doing, I'm doing it now. And Paul was just kind of like, like that. <laughs> yeah, he was totally, he was totally thrown off. Yeah, you know. and I, even when I found out that he was a human up until he just, up until his death, you know, two days ago, I was like, well, then he's definitely the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. One of these so is I, not like the other. Yeah, I never... I don't know. I mean, that was for me. So I, as soon as I got over my irritation with the editing, and I was like, well, I could have edited this better. And also, you know, my irritation with, like, okay, I've got, like, six bodies, characters. You know, I know their names. Um, you know, once I got over, like, pretty boring... Uh, I don't know. I could I could get into the story more, and I get I don't know. I don't know. So I <clears throat> I guess I had two breaking points with it, Brock. Um, the first was pretty pretty early, honestly. Um, probably either a little bit after it gets to the second wake where Ian starts waking up, or a little bit before, where I realized that the characters, these characters in particular we're just going to be talking. And the book is just a series just of, conversations. A lot of conversations. And I yeah. and I'm fine with that actually. But where it where I started having trouble is that it was conversations between characters who I never had a strong sense um, of really who they were or what they stood for. Except for Hero. So Hero was jokey. He had kind of his own voice. And uh, Wolfgang accused everybody. Right. But, but Wolfgang other, was the cook. I mean, Maria was the cook and cleaning lady. Yeah, but the, okay. But here's the thing: <laughs> when it would change chapters, and it would be changing its point of view, and it wouldn't say whose point of view it was, like, like the first word being like hero. I it would take right. me like a two or three paragraphs to actually figure out who the heck was thinking, because they all kind of had identical speech patterns they had kind of an identical pluck to them yes. um, and it gets away with you don't really get into like Paul's head until the end mm -hmm. and it kind of it gets away with it that way because he's the one who's like 
paranoid and sniveling. Um, but I couldn't, I, you know, just by their tone of voice, the way they were described. Um, so one thing that bugged me, and I think I mentioned this, was how often it tags um, who's speaking. Um, I hate tags in writing. I think that there, there's something that a good author does as little as possible, and there are these little things that you kind of blip over, and you don't really notice them when, when you're reading unless you're looking for them, ideally. Um, but the only reason tags should be there is to help you know who's talking if you can't figure it out from the context. Right. I, as much as her quantity of tags annoyed me, I really needed them. Um, yeah. Yeah, because there's no distinct voice. There's no there's no way to tell, uh, you know, from topic or manner the pattern of speech who's right. who it is that's mm-hmm. speaking. Right, and so so early on, there's a point, and Somerset might remember this, where we were reading it, and I and Wolfgang sputters because someone tells him that they're busy and can't talk right now. And Wolfgang sputters and leaves. And I'm just going, that guy is sputtering? Mm-hmm. Like, like what is sputtering? To me, sputtering is like... <laughs> That's what right. sputtering is. Yep. Sputter- Wolfgang, Mr. Tough Security Man, he would not sputter. He would grunt. Yes. Or yell. Or, or he, yeah, or he would... Or he would yeah, be, or he would... Or he would be threateningly silent. Mm-hmm. He would be menacing. Um, the characters just had no definition, mm-hmm. um, and so th- and so it was him sputtering is when I really started going like, okay, so this book is not for a character-driven book about conversations. It doesn't actually seem interested in letting me know who these characters are. Maybe maybe it was um, Mer Lafferty's way of saying that. Clones are a bad idea because it makes you nondescript. Because you all become <laughs> the same person. Right. Well, wow. So that's one of the things is that... Deep. Okay. Was it on purpose? Am I talking too much? Because I'll tell you... Because my answer is half done. <laughs> you do like to talk a lot, oh, Dan. Man. I, sure, I sure love you. Oh, thanks. Sorry, <laughs> so. um, that's a nice moment. Because... <laughs> well, I can shut up, but... Uh, you can keep going with finish your thought. Okay. Well, so that's that's when I that's when I started having trouble. But I was kind of enduring it until a moment about two thirds the way through, and this is when I got mad at the book. So it wasn't just that I didn't like it. This is when I got angry. <laughs> Do you know what it was? I don't know. Tell me. Okay. Maybe I'll remember. Is Let, it when I was reading to you? No. Let oh, me, okay. Do you want me to read you the passage? Okay. Yeah. Let's Kay. hear it. Okay. So this is Wolfgang. So Wolfgang is revealed to be this like crazy ex-Catholic preacher who was anti-cloning and he was kidnapped and turned into a clone and tortured a bunch. And then he dedicates his life to vengeance. And he was cloned over and yes, over again because, like several and, times in like right. two days. And, and now that he's a clone, he, he believes he has no soul. Right. And so this is him talking to Joanna. Oh, I do. Okay, now I know what you're. Now I remember when you got angry. <laughs> so jo, So this. So this says Joanna threw her cup against the wall, startling Wolfgang. I'm so sick of that argument, she said. I've been hearing it for centuries. Playing God, Wolfgang. We played God when people believed they could dictate their baby's gender by having sex in a certain position. We played God when we invented birth control. 
amniocentesis, cesarean sections, when we developed modern medicine and surgery. Flight is playing God. Fighting cancer is playing God. Contact lenses and glasses are playing God. Anything we do to modify our lives in a way that we were not born into is playing God. In vitro fertilization, hormone replacement therapy, gender reassignment surgery, antibiotics. Why are you fine with all of that, but cloning is the problem? And Wolfgang has no answer for her. So the best arguer against cloning doesn't have an answer doesn't have an answer to, to that. that for that's right yeah, yeah for ideas and arguments he had to have heard before right being you know being a crusader against it yeah and um and wait wait hang on so the thing you're not doesn't he also throw his glass against the wall isn't that the thing that made you angry <laughs> I could have sworn yeah, that he, he uh, also throws his glass. Well, his argument is basically like, I've suffered. Like, that's his argument against it. Yeah. But like, you, like, within the framework of their codicils, I feel like any of us just on the fly could come up with a dozen reasons why functional immortality is, is different from different fighting from, cancer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, like, how about the very existence of Sally Filet Mignon? <laughs> like like right now the one thing that prevents like the whole idea that tyranny can't be permanent because people die yeah it's um, totally that's gone yeah that's that's erased she can be a trillionaire who can build a colony generation ship yeah, and, and shoot forever. all of her enemies into space <laughs> yeah because she's immortal live forever be the ruler over all the earth she is the clone god. She is. <laughs> and not just the not just the god of clones, the god of all. Yeah. I mean, and Wolfgang just kept, I mean so that's what that's the point when I got angry because it felt like the author <sighs> didn't even consider the other side. Yeah, she she had no interest in why anyone might think that cloning at this level is a crappy idea, even though the whole book is like a thesis in how bad it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you do need to... Maybe it's not that scene, but the, I'm pretty sure there is a scene <laughs> where <laughs> two characters within two, three or four paragraphs both throw their glasses at the wall. Yeah, two 300-year-old characters who haven't learned to be patient. Even yeah. though it tells you textually that living long like this makes you really patient. And smart. Right, because yeah. they talk about, like, intelligent. you know, waiting out your enemies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and Wolfgang just kept making me upset after that point. So this guy's a Catholic priest, and he has a, he has a section where um, he's taught in his flashback where this nun, this priestess, um, is annoyed at him for not being patient. And uh, it says Wolfgang tells her that Jesus didn't have clumsy, forgetful, or drunk people that he relied on. And I'm going like, that's uh, coming from a Catholic priest? Have you not read priest? the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's like how all the Bible heroes are. Right? They're, they're certainly sleepy and forgetful and Some of and them frail. are drunks. I mean, right. I, I would... They run away, they're weak. I don't think they're left-handed. It's just such a weird thing for a. <laughs> she wants to write a Catholic priest, but she is not willing to Doesn't do even... the research into what a Catholic priest might actually say or know. Yeah, it's or a, believe. Um, I mean, it's. I, it's I, a little rude. 
one thing that's important <clears throat> is to do your research. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That you can that you can you can look into the way that people might feel about something. It's fun to explore uh, other cultures, and I love reading about that. But to read, you know, I I I'm good friends with a Catholic priest, <laughs> um, uh, and man, he knows his Bible. Yeah. He he would never say that Jesus had like these hot shot disciples. Yeah, that like never made any mistakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were like perfect. Right. <laughs> yeah, so Jesus sorry. was only surrounded by competent people. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Christianity. Who always worked. made all the right choices every time. So sorry, sorry to go on. That's my long answer to your question. That so I first fell out of love with the book, and then I fell into actual. Actual, active Anger. disliking. How about you, Brock? Uh, when did it unravel for you? You know, I I, I kind of talked about this, but I, I think that just, you know, all the backstory that we had to know, mm-hmm. you know, we had to know every, uh, um, we had to know every character's history and, uh, and how they were all connected. And, you know, so in that respect, it started to be, uh, it started to be more like, like Lost, maybe, um, which mm, I mean, I the, loved the that TV show. show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, but without the uh, sort of satisfaction of of that kind of thing. <clears throat> hmm. Sally Filet Mignon sure wasn't a fun answer to the mystery. <laughs> no, that that felt a little. I mean. That felt a little Deus Ex Machina too, just sort of this. Uh, Wait. Oh well, look this at the, is. Look at the clone ship, Matt. Look at the manifest. She's not actually on the she's ship. She's not here. Oh, she tricked us all. Well, the thing is, I don't like any bad guy whose entire plan relies on the good guys never talking. Right. Like there's they just wait, share you know information. Sally too? Right. Like so her so there's this rule that they don't talk about their criminal past. But they're going to be on the ship for like hundreds of years. I know. They were only they were there for forty years, and none of them were like, "So how'd you get? So how'd you get this job?" Oh, I knew right. this lady named right. Sally. Well, as you Sally be- who? Sally. Right. Sally Filet Mignon. When I feel, <laughs> and I feel it's a pair, a pair off into friendships and lovers. And oh you yeah, make, you make you know, connections or now bridges. That now that we're millions of miles away from Earth. I feel okay telling you this yeah. information. Who, who, yeah. give, who gives a fig about <laughs> rules? Right. We can do what we want. We're super clones. Yeah. <laughs> Let's clone ourselves some more. Yeah. Let's fix this computer so that it doesn't just turn back around to Earth if we make a mistake before it so, happens. <laughs> so that's that's a point of discussion that I had. Okay, so she has this revenge plot, but the AI has a fail-safe. <laughs> to turn the ship around if anything goes wrong. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> Why? Why didn't it? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not actually turning them around. Maybe it's maybe it's turning them into the nearest star. But, uh, you know, I, I thought that was an odd thing. That the, the, the revenge plot is send these people on a ship to nowhere unless something bad happens and bring them all back. <laughs> Yeah, oh, makes... and I'll also conveniently put on a magic um, food printer. Oh, yeah. Just have to have include a... that in the spec. You gotta have a backup. Why didn't she just plunge him into a star? <laughs> yeah. 
there was something about, you know, killing them is not enough. You have to give them hope. Oh, yeah, right, like torture. Thing. It's right. torture revenge. But I mean, all the all the people who are in stasis, you know, all the people who are asleep, whether whether they land nowhere or in a star, <clears throat> you know, you put them on the ship with hope. You accomplished your right. So the ending wasn't satisfying for me when they decide to go to the planet. Because mm-hmm. I was going, I would turn around. I'd be like, let's wake up everyone yeah. and go back and tell them what's tell going them what on. Sally did. And let's wreck Sally Filet-Mignon's butt. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's just shred her because we've got all these people. <laughs> and a magic printer named BB. A magic printer that can print the human brain, but it can't. But it can't let them. It can't print something that will let them examine fingerprints. There's a there's a part in there where the characters are like, nope, we can't take fingerprints because we don't have fingerprint scanning oh, yeah, technology. We don't have the... And I'm like, <laughs> buddy, I can take fingerprints. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have we got it's some tape? tape. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is a like and so that is not new technology. Like, like, do you know when they were? And doing now let me see your hand. What do you mean fingerprint scanning technology? <laughs> and then they're like, we're not outfitted with a forensics lab. And I was There's like... There's six of them. Just, it's like, let's take your handprints. Yeah, just, just... And compare. Just print some basic stuff. Maybe they don't have tape. <laughs> tape doesn't exist you can in this world. So you can examine a person's and DNA they just anyway don't exist with anywhere. their hacking. But you can't... That is a mobile forensics lab. Like, everything on this your, ship is a forensics lab. Right. Some of them write in paper journals... If she they can don't take, have paper in If she can take... To take D- fingerprints. <laughs> if she can take DNA to print a human, she can take DNA to figure out a little mystery. Yeah. Where, like, a dude was stabbing everyone. There's DNA. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that's nuts. The far future of fingerprints. <laughs> I also... You know something that actually really bugged me on, like, the third page in? So it's like 22,400 oh, <laughs> whatever, 2400. What did I say the year was? It's 2400 20, something. 2494. Yeah. Um, and like this, the next lot, the second line in, or like in a couple pages, it says something about childbirth being loud and screaming and painful. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Who's having babies that way anymore? I mean, yeah. I had an I had an epidural. I will admit this on online. I had an epidural, and it was wonderful. It was well, there was no screaming involved. Well, there was. It was me. <laughs> 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 the horrors of human life, Dennis. Yeah, it's like on page four. Witness. It was much cleaner and less painful than human birth with all, all its screaming, screaming and blood. blood. Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, I, hmm. I I would expect four hundred years from now that. A lot of that would be Pretty much tied, tidied up, right? Yeah. In Star Trek Voyager, they uh, transport the baby out of you. Yeah. I was, I was about to say. <laughs> Did you see that? Oh, wait. <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to guess. Uh, but isn't, isn't transporter tech, is transporter technology uh, cloning? Is, the, is that how it works in Star Trek? No, mm. Star Trek gets around it because, but the thing, Star Trek is not consistent with its tech at all because they say that it's just matter energy transference 
So it turns you into energy and then uses okay. that same energy to make you again. But then there's like episodes where like when when he was beamed up like a decade ago, Riker, Riker, his pattern was caught in the transport buffer, and then it got and then, put back down and it on gets the planet, sent back and down. Back so he's been cloned. Oh, okay. So it, it depends what they want to talk about that episode. Sure. Okay. <laughs> if they want to talk about the horrors of meeting your double, then they'll do it. If they want to talk about some other thing, I Star Trek has always been about throwing ideas against the wall and <laughs> hoping you get Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra and not almost anything Riker does. Wow, some of those sounded like words. Yeah, I didn't... That's my I favorite episode of Star Trek. Next Generation. That's uh, the one where Picard has to communicate with the <clears throat> alien species that only speaks in metaphor. Mm, right. That's a lovely episode. Interesting. Okay. <clears throat> it's entitled Darmok. If you want Excellent. to look that up. I yeah, believe I'll Star Trek is on Netflix right now. Jot that down. Yeah. <laughs> this is on Netflix. <laughs> uh, so, all right, here's my, here's my last question. If your brain was turned into an AI, <laughs> what <laughs> mundane system would you want it to have control over? <laughs> why did she even, why did they even turn Paul into the AI when she establishes that she already turned herself into the AI and chopped out all of the parts of herself that would care. Yeah, it's bizarre. Just kill Paul. Revenge. I, I mean, punishment. This book is yeah, actually guess, just about right? revenge. Okay, so you go. <clears throat> wow. So. Just to torture Paul. What would I want to be in charge of? Probably shipboard entertainment. <laughs> there you go. Like on a cruise. Yeah, I'll teach. I'll, I'll, that way, I can teach rules for board games, oh, which I perfect. do a lot of anyway. I thought but that have... was your least favorite part of doing playing board games. Well, no, but now I'd be a super intelligent computer, and that way, when when one of our buddies who's always like, "I didn't know that rule," I'd be like, "I told it to you at fourteen minutes and thirteen <laughs> seconds. Here's the playback." Right. <laughs> and in the playback, he's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, I get that rule. Do you really understand this rule? It will be crucial. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Jeez, are you Move sure? On. Jeez. Move on. I got so, it. <laughs> yeah, get some accountability in your life. That's good. That would be nice. I like it. How about you? Either of you? I don't know if I have an interesting answer to that question, but I bet you do, Brock. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess I was just banking on you having interesting answers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. Here's what it would be. I would be, uh, I would, I would be in a self-driving car, and I would just cause minor annoyances to my, <laughs> to my writers. Isn't that the plot that of one fun. of the Herbies? You're like Herbie the Love Bug. Isn't that one of the plots? Go over all the speed bumps. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would, I would accelerate over speed bumps. Yeah, I would just uh, I would fun. maybe ride ride the center line, just a just a little too close for comfort. I mean, I'm in control. You know, I know what I'm doing. They just have to trust me. It sounds to that me sounds like fun. you really just want to be a poltergeist and just uh, yeah, that's ideal. People. Yeah. That's yeah. That, that would be pretty fun. Good. Like a smart home, or like yeah, you're the AI. You you're the AI for like an entire apartment building. <laughs> An old lady McCreary can't get her door open ever because you don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> because she wronged me. 
This is my ultimate revenge. Like random knocking on pipes in her apartment and stuff. <laughs> Who's at the door? <laughs> no one's ever there. <laughs> um, that sounds mean. Brockbot, wow. why yeah. won't the wow, door you open? guys. <laughs> I'm not saying I want that. Brock wants that. Well, and I, I mean, you're the one who brought up the old woman. I would probably <laughs> make sure that she could always get in her apartment. It would be the youths. That's who I would torment. The millennials. Yeah, those, those <laughs> millennials. You ensure that their morning news feed is always, millennials have ruined fruit. <laughs> Why aren't millennials shopping at Walgreens? Why don't millennials buy toilet paper as much as yeah. why are good. millennials eating so much avocado toast exactly and that's their whole news feed is nothing but that <laughs> <laughs> wow uh, alright nice. so um, so last week uh, the, uh, the person whose uh, whose responsibility was discussion also handled, handled listener questions uh, so that falls to me. Unfortunately, we did not receive any uh, this month. I'm not Nobody, surprised. <laughs> Nobody wanted to talk about six wakes with us. In a way, that's like the best outcome because it means no one was subjected to this. But yeah, I mean, maybe maybe people will still listen to this episode without. Uh, maybe we need to frame it that way. Please just listen to this episode. You don't have to have read the book. <laughs> um, so. Put that in your mind. Uh, I did. Yeah. I did want to say. Um, so we've had several emails. We're just inundated with emails suggesting books that we can read in the future. Uh, but some of you have forgotten an important rule of our podcast. Uh, we are only. We can only read books with numbers in the title. Um, did, did we forget? Oops. Did we forget to mention that in episode yep. one? That's it's, important to us. That's. No, that's that's not actually true, and actually we haven't received any emails with book suggestions. Uh, so <laughs> however, feel free. However, <laughs> next month we will be reading a book with a numerical theme in Excellent. the title. Yes. Oh, we're keeping, the go keeping it going. Yeah. The book is The Stars Are Legion by Cameron Hurley, also known as The Stars Are 5,120. Gets through on a technicality. By Cameron <laughs> Hurley. Um, You've already started. I have, I, and I'm really liking it. Cool. I'm excited. Have you started it, Brock? I have not. Uh, my, my dad was visiting uh, over the weekend, and he... He recommended that I read Heart of Darkness by Joseph oh, Conrad. I read that. Uh, and I have started that, and I'm uh, um, about uh, 80 pages into a Star Wars book that I started. So uh, I've got some got some stuff to read. Nice. Yeah, okay. Miles to go before I sleep and read The Stars Are Legion. Okay. Well, um, so join us next month for The Stars Are Legion by Cameron Hurley. As always, this is the Space Biff Book Space. I am your host, Dan Therat. I was joined today by Somerset Winters Thoreau. No relation. And by Brock <laughs> Andromedon Polson. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Bye. Bye. Seattle.
たね。